0: I'd like us to read a few verses from the small book of Third John this morning before our our deacons come and we uh, receive our offering, starting there in verse one, and we'll read just through verse four today. It says the elder to the beloved Gaius, who I love in truth. Behold, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What a wonderful word of encouragement, praying that, all would go well, that good health would be provided, and that most of all, that he found the greatest joy in knowing that his children in the faith were walking in the truth of the gospel. Gentlemen, will you come as we take our offering this morning?
1: Father God,
0: thank you for the privilege of being able to gather in worship, Lord, to offer you all honor, praise, and glory. Lord, thank you for all your blessings, but especially for the sacrificing of your one and only Son for our redemption, Lord. Lord, we humbly ask you to accept our humble offerings, grow them as you need. In this we pray, amen.
1: Would you stand and sing with us?
0: Psalm chapter 62 is where you can find your place, and if you're already there, you can get a head start on everybody else, but once you've found that, if you've chosen to turn there in your Bible or with your phone, I want you to find somebody close to you, and I want you to finish this sentence Um, together, I'm thankful for, and I'm going to challenge you to move beyond the F's, move beyond faith, family, football, friends, don't be generic, be specific about something you're faithful for. Now, if you name a person, that's a little better than just saying my family. But just take a moment, people around you, and share something that you are thankful for. you a while to to warm up but I can tell that you're you're getting into it um, I'm uh, especially thankful for the the love and support of my my family um, I'm about 270 days into this journey that I started with my insurance company to um, try and get off my medications for um, diabetes and so in for in preparation for Thanksgiving I'm um, Deborah just asked me, what do you want to eat? And so I told her the things that were important, and we went online, and we found recipes that would fit. And they were just fabulous, and I, I didn't miss anything. And, and I will tell you, if you have not tried um, almond flour dressing, you are missing out. And here is the reason why. You can eat a plate full of that stuff, and you don't feel guilty because if you eat a plate full of regular dressing, you are know, really basically eating a whole pan of cornbread, cornbread. Um, if you use cornbread, and um, it, it tasted the same, it was savory, it was wonderful, and um, I just, I'm just, I'm blown away at just the over-the-topness over that that Deborah has um, helped out, um, because if not, honestly, I'd be living on um, mixed nuts um, and cheese, um, mostly, um, it's kind of a hybrid squirrel-mouse diet, um, you won't find it in any books, because there's not one, i um, it's just where I lean to um, on occasion, but I am thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the privilege of every week um, being able to um, open up you know, the truth of God's Word um, with you. And so this morning we turn to Psalm 62, and I want us to think about this topic of being confident in God's care. We're going to look at a psalm that was written by David, King David, um, likely after a a very difficult time in his life. It is a reminder to us that there are difficult times in our own lives. There are challenges, there's bumps in the road, there's difficulties, it's just life happening. But all the while, underneath the service or above the heavens, wherever you choose to, to look, God is at work. His care is faithful. And I want us to think about this, that you can trust God at all times and in all situations. And no matter the circumstances, whether we feel like He's there or not, He is present and He is very real. And as we look at this psalm this morning, and I apologize for there there being no notes in the bulletin, but I do um, consider it a success because we put lines in the bulletin which enabled Dawn to print two weeks of bulletins at one time, which enabled Dawn to take a very much-needed week of vacation. Um, and, and her um, testimony was that it felt like they packed two weeks into one week. And so um, so I'm thankful for that. Hopefully it's simple enough you can follow along. But I'd like us to read the verses together. Um, we'll take a, chance, um, a moment to pray, then we'll look at them, and we'll, we'll likely be done before um, the noon hour approaches. Psalm 62, to the choir master, according to Duduthan, Psalm of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to trust Thrust Him down from His high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it's true, it's timeless, it's practical. Thank you that in these moments we have together that we can open up your word, and we ask that you would open our eyes and open our hearts by your spirit. Speak to us. Help us to hear your voice as you speak. And we trust you to do that in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in all likelihood, most feel that this psalm was likely written by David near the time of Absalom's rebellion. You can read about it in Second Samuel 14 and following. Basic, really oversimplified summary of a story is this, is that Absalom, David's son, rises up against him. His father is presented as being too busy to hear the people's petitions. And Absalom raises himself up and says, there's a man who will listen. Many believed Absalom could understand them better than David. And Absalom wickedly says, oh, that I were judged. As if to say things would be different if I was in charge. And the Scriptures tell us that he steals the hearts of the people. He betrays his father. He takes over the kingship. And David flees His servants help out. He escapes. Eventually, Absalom is caught and killed. And we find David, the aging king, deeply grieved. But in this circumstance of great tragedy, we find David's choice to trust in God in the midst of sadness and grief. And so as we... Begin to open up this psalm or unpack it. Think about these two things. What's grieving you today? And where are you placing your trust? The psalm writer in Psalm 84 tells us that blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. And so we see at the beginning of this psalm a truth that we need to be reminded of constantly, and that is to trust in God alone. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock, my for- my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And you see that repeated phrase, alone, alone my soul waits from Him, and while the word is not listed there, it's implied in the the language, for Him alone, God alone, comes my salvation, and He alone is my rock, my salvation, and my fortress. The word they translate there for alone, there's really not an English equivalent, but it means kind of all wrapped together, only, indeed, surely, and alone. It's a very strong, confident expression to mean this is the one and only. David is beginning his song of praise by saying, I don't care what other people say or think, but I am certain of this. I put my trust in the Lord. And you see the personal nature of this writing. If you look there, it's my, 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 and my, my salvation. My glory. My strength. My refuge. The Lord is My God, David says, and in Him lies all my hope. He repeats it in verses 5 and 6 so we don't forget it, that we keep it on our minds. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Sounds like a chorus to a song a reminder that the Psalms were the hymn book of God's people of the early church. These songs were these psalms were written to be sung. And so when we think about a psalm, we read a psalm, we, we can think about three things at once. We can think about how did those faithful followers in the Old Testament sing this psalm? How Does the psalm change, or how is it fulfilled now that the new covenant is established? What difference does Jesus make in the psalm, and then how are we to sing them today? It's also a wonderful thought to think about the idea of the Lord Jesus singing these psalms in praise to His Father, knowing that every promise, everything looked forward to is filled in Him. But as you see this chorus repeated in verses 5 and and 6, you you see just two small differences. In verse 1 it says, My soul waits. And in verse 5, To you, to owe my soul waits. It's a little more anguished. It's a little more declarative. He's keeping his focus in the right spot. And when we hear that word waiting, I don't want us to think about just sitting around and hoping something will happen. It's a word that combines being still and being silent. Um, perfect classroom setting for um, kindergartners. But yet a difficult challenge even for adults. To sit quietly before the Lord. But it's a confident waiting with expectation that God has something very important in mind. So he's still before the Lord. And then he says, I shall not be greatly shaken in verse 2, and it changes just a bit in verse 6 to, I shall not be shaken. You could almost look at it this way. I, In the verse 2, David says, you know, I won't be tottered around maybe just a smidgen, a little bit, but in verse 6, it's much more confident. I won't be shaken at all because I've taken a hold of the rock that holds in all the circumstances. It's a reminder that our trust in the Lord builds over time, doesn't it? We may be a little reluctant to trust things over into God's hands, even though He has everything held perfectly. But little by little, as we learn that He is faithful, we learn to trust Him more and more. And we find that our faith grows as we lean more on the one who is always faithful. David's so sure of this that in verse 8, he invites others to trust in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. So you see the word people, God's people, And he says God is a refuge not for just Himself, but also for us. So if it was good enough for David, it was good enough for others. And the truth that we can remember that never changes is that God is faithful to everyone who puts their trust in Him. We could spend much time sitting around listening to examples from the Bible of God's faithfulness to those who stepped out and trusted Him in faith. We can only, you know, look at one. We think about Abraham, his call to come out of the land that he lived in to a place that God would show him, his willingness to step forward in that, the promise that God gives him that he's going to make him a great nation. He's going to give him a son, and here as an old man with an old wife who laughs, God gives them a son only to... Find that God says, Offer up your son, your only son. And Abraham, who was a righteous man by faith, does what God instructs, walks his son up on the mountain, places him on the pyre, gets the wood ready, gets everything ready, and he's reminded that the Lord himself would provide the sacrifice, ram, in a thicket, a substitute for his only son. God is faithful those who put their trust in And that extends to all time. From past tense to present tense to future tense, it's all situations and circumstances. You may not be facing the challenge from the Lord today to go offer up your son as a sacrifice. But there may be very much going on in your life, something where God is calling you to a crisis of belief where you have to say, God, do I trust you or am I wanting to continue to trust in myself. We can trust Him with hopes. We can trust Him with hurts. And we can know that in all circumstances, He is our refuge. And you see, David knew what many of you know. Once you've experienced that faithfulness, that wonderful care from the Lord, you want other people to experience it as well. You share it because it means something. To you. Now, if we were to stop there, we would be feeling very good about ourselves because we we would we would think God is good, He's all that we need, and, and life is just going to be perfect. But much like the announcement on an airplane, ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing a bit of turbulence. Please return to your seats and fasten your seat seatbelts. There's a reminder that life is certain in many things, but one thing is for sure, that there indeed will be turbulence or trouble will come. Look at verses 3 and 4. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They... Take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse, say law, or pause and think about this. So David had faith, but he also had troubles. And you can see very clearly that those two things go hand in hand. Things are going to go wrong, not according to our plans. Trouble is going to come, but it's faith in God that holds us together and holds things together. Because life isn't always easy. But God is always safe. And it may feel like today that you feel like a a leaning wall or a tottering fence. More modern language, you feel like a pushover, that just that one more thing coming against you is going to be all that you can take. Feel like you don't have the strength to stand on your own. You, you feel unstable in your thought, unstable in your emotions. You feel like that you're at your wit's end. All of these things come as a result of real life situations, real bumps in the road, real challenges that are all around us, that are ever present. But David reminds us that Enemies, obstacles, struggles, circumstances, they're real. However, they're nothing compared to God's love and care. That under His hand, those things that, that seem like a undefeatable enemy, an impassable obstacle or a struggle that you just can't seem to get past, can in his power and his plan be like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They might seem immovable, but God can quickly bring them to an end. As we read this, I reminded you earlier to think about how what it might have meant to David and those early believers and what it might mean for us today. And we think of that in terms as David in looking forward to Jesus coming, to the one who would be the Messiah. And we have the privilege of knowing that He has come and that we can place our trust in God through Christ. We can lean on Him. All the while not being surprised that trials and troubles happen. In fact, Jesus Himself told His disciples in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. Then he follows it up with encouragement. Take heart. Why? Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So when things around you seem to be falling apart, you can trust in God. You can lean on Him. You can find peace in Him. And you can realize the third thing is that God is your salvation and Refuge. Look at verse 7. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. David had his faults, his failures, his struggles. But one thing is clear. He had a commitment to trust in God and nothing else. And you see in these my statements his personal relationship. My salvation. It's the word Yeshua. The word that we see Joshua. The word that is translated God saves. God promised that he would redeem or save his people. That he would bring them out of the land of Egypt and place them in a land of plenty, a land flowing of milk and honey. God still promises to save those who place their trust in the one the New Testament calls Jesus, the Savior, the one who saves. And we can be ever reminded that God is fully committed to save anyone who puts their trust in Christ. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will rescue those who call on the name of Jesus. My salvation, my glory. Now where we get in trouble with the phrase my glory is when we Think of it in the idea of my glory being what benefits me, what makes me look the best, what is good for me. But that's not exactly what David is saying. He's saying my glory is in the Lord and not in myself. That's the source of everything that we would consider glorious. You know, some people measure worth in beauty in intelligence, others in money or power or prestige, but David measured his security, his worth in God, not his own reputation, not his wealth, not his accomplishments. And a hard question for us to ask ourselves many times, even if we endeavor to serve the Lord is, is this for my glory or is it for God's But, oh, Lord, help us that our glory would be to glory in Him and His name above all. But he moves on, my mighty rock. Now, in different places of Scripture, a rock can be referred to as a shelter, a place to hide, a shade to get out of the sun, or stable ground to stand on. And so it could either be a shelter that we run to, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved or a solid foundation to stand upon. He lifted me out of the muck and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. So He is our rock. And then a declaration of trust. My refuge is... God. Reminds me of Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, it's easy to forget how faithful God is. On one side of the spectrum, when things are going really well, we think it's all about us, and we don't really think we need God, and we drift away. But on the other end, when we get... Into those hard times, those tight spots, we feel like God doesn't care or he's not listening. And we sometimes begin to doubt whether or not God is really for us, the word says. I mean, he, he might have brought salvation, <laughs> he might be glory for somebody, a mighty rock and a refuge, but I just don't think that it's for me. I know it Jesus said he watches over those sparrows, and give them food, but what about me right now? And we doubt, we worry, we fret, and we try to find a way out on our own. But we eventually come to the realization, many times over, that our ways never work. Look at verses 9 and 10. He references people in a high position, people in a low position. Those of low estate are but a breath or a vapor. Those of high estate are a delusion. If the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, set no hope, vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. One commentator just summed these verses up and says, We have nothing to fear from man, and we have nothing to hope for from them. Either, he's referencing places that we we try to put our trust that are not God. We know, but we need to be reminded that we can never trust in ourselves. Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a what? A fool. Trusting in other people will always fail. Dishonesty is never. The answer. The idea there is the idea that defraud or cheat others to try and, and save yourselves. We can't buy our way out of trouble. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Summed up, it's pointless to put our trust in anything but God. Everything else is going to fail you. So, so don't look to a material solution for a spiritual problem, don't look to man's wisdom and ability for something only God can deal with, because it's only God that's faithful and true. He's the only one that is the deliverer, protector, and keeper of those he loves. To underline this, we come to the fourth thing, and that's that God always keeps His Word. Listen to verse 11 and verse 12. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. It's interesting to note that God speaks once, but David hears twice. I think it's a reminder that when God speaks, he doesn't need to repeat himself. Um, his voice is powerful. In reference Psalm 29, you can think about the acts of creation where he speaks and things happen. But while his voice is powerful, his voice is also filled with love. isn't it? It's a merciful voice. When God speaks, it's done. Creation, salvation, all things. And so he speaks once, but we see David hears twice. Now, he's got two ears, so that could be it. Hopefully, he would hear. I think the thought here, as many people have suggested, is much more important, that we should hear the voice of God echoing, over and over again in our, our minds, that his word is worth repeating. And because we are sometimes dull of hearing, it's important to constantly remind ourselves. Charles Spurgeon, in one of his masterful sermons, references the idea that it's hearing with the heart and the ears. So what exactly does David hear twice? Well, he hears that God has true power. Power that's never-ending, that's unfailing, and that's not matched by anything else in this world. So it's power, but not only power, but also mercy. That word hesed, God's loving kindness, His steadfast love, that love that is true and dependable and never fails. It's the love that God made a covenant love, and He will never break. But I think the connection here is you can never separate the, the power of God's voice and the tenderness or the mercy in His voice. Because as one person suggested, if you have power without love, that's just brutality. And if you have love without power, it's weakness. So we have the privilege of Knowing through Jesus a God who is faithful when we are faithful, who's powerful when we are weak. He's loving when we feel unlovable, when we do unloving things, and He is salvation when we need rest. And so we said from the, the beginning just this simple idea from these. Brief verses that you can trust God at all times and in all situations. It's a simple reminder, it's needed, it's encouraging. The devotional book, Our Daily Bread, tells the story about a ship that sank off the coast of England over a hundred years ago. Many people drowned. And there was a young 16-year-old boy who worked in the kitchen who was tossed about by the sea and found himself cast against the rocks on the rugged shore. And he survived through the night, through the cold and the darkness, by clinging on to a rock. He was rescued. And they asked him, as they got him off the the rock, dried him off, and got him from fresh clothes. Didn't you shake while you were clinging to that rock all night? And the boy said, well, yeah, of course, but the rock never shook once. If we're all honest, we have to say that the Christian life is filled with shaking and and clinging Circumstances it. Circumstances shaken. Doctors' reports shake us. The current state of relationship with family and friends shake us. Clinging to anything but Jesus in those circumstances will certainly fail. Because Jesus is the rock that never moves. Listen to Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I'm going to read some words from a song and then we're going to make a declaration to the Lord. I would like to admit that I was very scholarly and I learned about this song because of my study of music and um, African American spirituals, but I will have to tell you that the reason I know this song is thanks to the um, kids group Go Fish. Listen to these words. Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. My Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. See, confidence in God is simply expressed in these days by clinging, holding on to Jesus. And so from these three declarations of truth that we make It all starts with the first, Jesus is my Redeemer. He saved my soul. The others that follow are not true to those who do not claim Jesus as their Redeemer. But when we place our trust in Christ, not only for salvation and for new life, we gain all the riches of His glorious inheritance. So can you say this morning, with confidence, Jesus is my Redeemer. He saved my soul. The second borrowing from the song, resting on the truth of the first, is that Jesus is my rock in a weary land. That's hard. Isn't it? It's not easy. I see all these shirts about adulting, you know, and you know, and how, you know, wasn't ready for adulting but this life. It's just hard. If anybody, you know, tells you anything different than that, they're a they're lie. Um, almost quoted the Princess Bride there, um, but I, I didn't. That's hard. My gosh, Jesus is so much better. And isn't it worth it? Just like Paul, if I'm going to suffer, I might as well suffer for the sake of Christ and suffer for nothing put your trust in the rock. And then finally, Jesus is my shelter in the time of storm. Storms come. Storms pass. We need a place that we can run and hide in those times of struggle. Maybe this day and the next days following, you just remind yourself of those three simple things. Jesus is my Redeemer. Jesus is my rock, Jesus is my shelter. You follow it up with places in Scripture that point to those things, and you allow God to build you up, to strengthen you in your inner man for the battle that rages, the storms that come, and the shaking that is ever-present. I learned this verses 1 and 2 in the New International Version, and I want to close with that. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation belongs to he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will never be healed. Let's pray. O oh Lord, this morning, as we read from the songbook of Israel, from the pen of David, we ask for you in your goodness, help us to see on the pages of our Bible your goodness. To see your son Jesus. To see that he is Redeemer. He's the rock. He's the shelter. And that you would settle our hearts and our minds on this truth. That our soul could find rest in you and you alone. That salvation comes from you. That you are a rock in our salvation. You are a fortress. And we will never be shaken. We know all of that is predicated on the fact that we place our trust in the one we call Savior, the one named Jesus, who is Christ. maybe this morning as we take a moment to listen to the Lord, it's that reminder that, yes, I do have a Redeemer. and I know that He lives, and I know He has a plan and a purpose for me. And you just rejoice in the fact that you have a Redeemer. Maybe it's the other end of the spectrum. You think, okay, I, I don't really know that I have a Redeemer. Jesus is the Redeemer. Those who place their trust in Him will be saved, and you can do that today. Maybe it's you know, the idea that you feel just tossed about by the waves of life and you need to grab a hold of the rock that is Jesus, knowing that when you grab a hold of him, his arms that wrap around you are so much firmer and tighter and loving and caring than you could even imagine. Maybe the storms, the winds of life are blowing, you see His shelter to run to, that you can run to Jesus. He's strong. He's holy, but he's good. And in him we will never shake. Maybe you just need to spend a moment just quietly praying where you're at. Maybe you need to come down front and kneel. Maybe there's a decision God wants you to make. I'll be at the front for that, but I invite you as the music plays quietly to listen to the voice of the Lord and respond as you hear His voice. And I want to just highlight a couple of things, and is going to to come and tell us about an opportunity that um, is up and coming. First thing is just to, to let you um, know that um, the week of prayer for Lottie Moon, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, kicks off next Sunday. So you'll want to be sure and be um, to grab a prayer guide when they're out and be ready to to give as the Lord um, leads as we work to support God's work around um, the world. The second thing, men, men's breakfast tomorrow morning, 6.30 at Elk Diner. And the third thing, as you may have been seeing for a couple weeks, just this very um, generic um, Cross Timber Christmas Party, more details. We'll have more details, and we'll have even more details next week, so stay tuned. But um, the first thing, uh, if you want to pick up one of these reminder cards, it's December the 10th, it's at 6.30. It's um, preceded by caroling. If you are a caroler and want to go spread Christmas cheer through singing at 5.30, at 6.30, we'll gather here. You will bring um, your favorite Christmas snack, you know, a savory, a dessert or something. We'll enjoy fellowship. Um, we have a special guest. Um, Dr. Don Newberry will be here. Um, he is um, timeless. Um, and um, his own biography says he was the the most unbuttoned, I think, um, college professor in um, college president, because he was president of Howard Payne University, um, he has a very unique perspective on life. And um, I think um, regardless of your your age, you will be blessed as you listen to him just tell um, tell stories. And so that is also, and then next week you'll find out about some activities that you can be involved in and some specifics about what you need to bring in accordance with that. But just wanted to let you know if you need a reminder. Otherwise, just be here at 1030 excuse me, December the 10th at 6.30 p.m. for that. Glenna, why don't you come and and tell us about how we can be a part of helping with Lottie Moon.
1: We have every year uh, the Lottie Moon Craft Fair. It's in Cleburne at Henderson Street Baptist Church. And you can bring anything that you have made. It's a craft fair, but it's also a bake sale. So if you can make something that you know everybody likes, that can be done, too. I will be going down on Tuesday to take the things that's on the 5th. Uh, And if anybody wants to bring something to me, like a dozen cookies, you can put it in a Christmassy bag or something like that, and we will sell that. Those things always go well. And uh, if you have a craft, I can carry that down, too. But the craft fair will be from 10 to 2 on Wednesday, the 6th, and on Thursday, the 7th, but then it'll be 10 to noon on Friday because they're going to have a party at their church and we need to clean that up before then. So come if you don't have anything to give, but also if you can make something that we can sell, that'll help. And all the money goes to Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Yeah, come down and buy. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Right, that there are there are several ladies from all over our association that um, that, are, that help with the Wmu that work to put that together, and it's a wonderful way to uh, support missions. And also, you can pick up some really really fun stuff for for Christmas gifts. So if you, homemade tamales Wednesday only. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to try almond flour tamales now. No, I'm just kidding. I probably won't do that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do that. i um, It's, oh, I was going to hope at the end before noon, but I talked too much. So now it's 12 12 and 25 seconds. But we are finished. I want to thank you for being here. I pray the Lord blesses you the rest of this day. Enjoy the cooler weather. Um, Why don't you join in standing? The worship team is here in place. They're going to lead us in a song, and once we finish singing, I'm your dispense.